Bible, turn, if you would, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, if you would, please. And we'll be reading verse 7. Ephesians 6, verse 7. Did you, were you blessed to hear mercies well last week? Amen. It was a great time of fellowship, and I'm, I'm glad that now I can put that behind me. The, the Lord already knew this was his property even before we dedicated it, but it was still uh, special to me. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go to verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness and sincerity of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Verse 7 says this again, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Let's turn to Galatians. We're going to go back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Children are dismissed to head back. If you have a child here in the sanctuary, you are dismissed to head out. So that's Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Here's what it says in Galatians 6, verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season when we shall reap, if we do not lose heart, if we faint not. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. Are you tired of trying to be a good Christian? You sometimes feel like you're going through the the motions of this Christian life. Do you often find yourself running on empty spiritually? Do you experience heaviness or shame more than you do joy and freedom in your Christian life? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then perhaps God is calling you to something deeper. Maybe you're ready to experience personal revival. Maybe you're ready to experience personal revival. You see, this morning, God wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to fill your heart with Himself. He wants to set you free from every unholy passion. He wants to drink deeply of the joys found in His presence. And He wants your service for Him to be the overflow of genuine love and authentic life. He wants you to be a reflector of His glory, especially in the times that we're in right now, in this dark, dark world that we live in. He wants you to be a reflection of His glory. He wants you, He wants all of us, our entire church, the community believers at large to have revival. He wants New Hope Talmadge to be revived. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my faith 
and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and I will heal their land. We understand what it says in chapter 7, verse 14 of Second Chronicles. If my people, the children of Israel... If they would just humble themselves, if they would just pray, if they would seek my face, just turn from all the chaos, turn from all the nonsense, guess what I'll do? I promise you, because I am the way maker, the miracle worker, the light and the darkness promise keeper, I keep my promises, I will heal your land. This pandemic has nothing on Jesus. I almost felt like I was getting a little bit old-fashioned here. I was walking back and forth, I'm like, what's happening here? I think the old fashioned was coming out of me. I don't know. For a young guy, right? But, but God wants to heal us. He wants to take the old and make it new. He wants to take the junk that's in your trunk and He wants to bring new life. He, he says, listen, I've poured into your life newness. A new creation. Old things are passed away. Build all things have become new. We have to realize that we have to humble ourselves seek His face, turn from all of the wickedness, all of the sin in our life, then you'll start to see personal revival in your life. And today I'm not going to speak on basically a corporate revival, as many are familiar with, as much as I want to make it singular and make it to where it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? We are so distracted. So much stuff going on. So many mandates. So many protocols. I'm so tired of it. I get out of the car and I make it to the door and then I forgot my face mask was in the car. So I've got to put my face mask on and I will respect and honor whatever that's on that door. If that's what they're doing for their company, I will respect it. I don't have a problem with that. But because I keep forgetting, it's a sense of of frustration for me so that I get exercise. We don't always park up front, even though God creates favor for us many times. But if you're parked like 32 spots away and you make it to the front door because you forgot your mask, you start to think a little bit of like, I need personal revival right now because the things I'm thinking aren't good right now. (laughs) Protocol after protocol after protocol. Personal revival starts with us, with you. Singular, I. We've got to change, church. Man, we are in a time when we need Jesus Christ more than we've ever needed Him. I know in my time, I'm 50 years young. And being 50 years young, you like how I said that. Uh, being 50 years young, I've come to the realization that I may not have seen what many of my grandparents and my great-grandparents experienced in their lifetime, but I know what I'm experiencing And it is something I will never forget as long as I live. However, we watch social media and we see it on Facebook and we hear people say, God's coming back. Eh, I don't know. There's a lot that has to take place. You haven't seen the end yet. Because here's reality. It says, no man knows the time nor the date nor the hour when the Son of Man will come in the clouds to call us home. Why would we have signs right now He said, some will be in the field, they'll be gone. Some will be at the kitchen table, they'll be gone. Some will be sitting in a church service, they'll be gone. Take me home, Lord Jesus. 
Hallelujah. I know who I am and I know whose I am. I'm a child of the Most High God. Personal revival. I want your relationship with Jesus Christ to go deeper than it's ever gone before. I want you. We dedicated our church last week and today we as the body of Christ and the body of believers, we get to now start to experience his word in a way we've never done it before. If you want healing in your life, then you've got to humble yourself. God gives grace to the humble, resist the proud. But you've got to start today saying, God, transform me. Transform me from the inside out. Let me sense revival in my walk and in my talk. I need you, God. I need you. Every hour I need you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we've come into this place, into your sanctuary. And Lord, I thank you that you have a word for all of us today. So just speak to me. Speak through me. Hide me behind the cross. Lord, let the people see the glory of the Father. So we ask all this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Depending on your background, if I were to use the word revival, many of you would say it carries some baggage or it sounds like such an old-fashioned concept. See, in the olden days, revival started when the evangelist would come into town and as he came into town, he would, everybody would rally around him. Mm -hmm. And things would change. Because when that old minister got up to preach, you knew that you had to get your heart right. And then he'd start waving his hanky. And then he'd say, you need to return, repent, rebuke the sin that's in your life. You didn't think I had West Virginia in me, did you? But I do. It's more Kentucky than it is West Virginia. And when that old evangelist would start preaching, you knew right then you better sit up in your chair because he was going to get up on the back of that pew and he was going to point you out and call sin for what it was. Here's what's happened. We've let go of our personal preferences in the church because we're afraid to offend people. We've stopped preaching sin because we're afraid that we're going to offend people. Listen, church. Sin is sin is sin is sin. And that's why our Savior Jesus Christ went to a cross for the redemptive power for our sins. He stretched out His arms. He died for us, rose the third grave, third day, out of the grave, victorious to give us life and to give us hope. That's the redemptive power of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we would see seasons of increased religious favor. We'd start to see people turn from their wicked ways and then all of a sudden things would start changing and I would hear stories where people got saved because they heard that old time evangelist. And he could come in and he can either, I'm telling you this, he could pour into your life or he could cause a lot of damage. And I think I've heard about as many stories back and forth about what revival on that corporate level of those evangelistic meetings, what it has done to our churches because of the things that were said. Listen, 
I'm not here to, to preach a message on what Todd Tackett has to say. I'm here as your pastor to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, turn from your wicked ways. Quit flirting with the devil. Quit flirting with sin. And even though all these things took place and these great revivals took place, while these elements may be present in times of revivals, they just didn't get to the heart of true revival and into the heart of people. Because you see, revival is not an event we can schedule on the calendar. Revival, it is not synonymous with evangelism. I can't even read my own writing. Though when revival comes, unbelievers will be converted and then born into God's family. Further, through our emotions, will be involved. Revival should not be confused with emotionalism. Though there is nothing more exciting than new hope being alive with God's presence, revival cannot necessarily be equated with the intense excitement and enthusiasm we see being experienced in many charismatic gatherings today. Amen. So all this brings us to what is revival really? Who is it for? Do we have any influence over when and where it takes place? And how can we even know if it's genuine? Two weeks ago, I started a message about revival, who needs it, how is corporate revival, and I've been talking about revival, and we talked about Isaiah, the children of Israel, and today I'm making it more personal. I want to make this an experience that you will say, yes, I've experienced revival and I've seen it real in my life. You see, the word revival literally means to bring back to life. For our purpose, I will use it as a simple definition. Revival is what happens when God's people, whether individually or corporately, are restored to a right relationship with Him. Let me repeat that again. Revival is what happens to God's people, whether individually or corporately, and are restored to a right relationship with Him. Revival is a supernatural work of God. It is not something we can manufacture. It is not something that I can package. In times of personal or corporate revival, God's people experience His presence and power in ways previously missing from the lives. And to the degree we never thought possible. A revived church is the greatest means of making God's great redemptive plan known throughout the whole world. And here at New Hope, we've had revival. We've had a sense of revival. We've had a movement. What is that movement? You don't go from a deck to the YMCA and somebody say to you, well, that's weird. We were praying for you this morning in our meeting. We don't go from the YMCA on Broad Boulevard in Cuyahoga Falls to the Court Cultural Center where they say things like, We've never had a church in the banquet area ever, and you're not going to be one of them either. Hmm. She came back after speaking to the director of Kaga Falls, and he said, give that church what they want. Grant them whatever they need. They need to have church in the banquet hall. 
And then I remembered when we were there for a few short months, we're not even up to one year into our church. And all of a sudden, we see and hear that there is a church that's available. So we go by the property. My wife and I look inside. We pray over the building. And the thing that the real estate agent said to us is that they will never do land contract. They will never do a land contract. Well, guess what God did? God said to this pastor and to the board, give that church a land contract. Amen? That's revival. There was an excitement. There was a sense of prayer. Both Debbies are sitting in here right now. You guys remember, you know, I remember when we were at the Y and we all went up front and we all prayed. All 52 of us. And then when we were at the Cork, we all prayed that God would open the door and speak to the heart of that man. Revival started in a personal way. It was up to him to say yes or no. Little did that man realize, and I've never even met the director of Kaga Falls. He's probably retired now. That was 15 years ago. But reality is this. Revival started in the heart of that man. Souls have been saved. Lives have been changed. People's lives have been transformed because the gospel of grace has been preached. There is hope in our Savior. See, I didn't do it. I have been a vessel used for his honor and for his glory. Now, you have a responsibility too. So, Pastor, how are you making this personal for each and every one of us? See, revival starts when you start to surrender in your life. You say, here I am, God. Use me. Mold me. Reshape me. Get over the chaos that the devil has you in bondage to. Let go of the stuff that has been filtering and and being poured into your mind and say, get behind me, Satan, because today I'm going to worship my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus was, when he was out in the wilderness, that's what he said even to Satan, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. See, we've stopped doing that and we've bowed the knee to all of the chaos that is taking place. Now, church... If revival doesn't start in your heart and in your life, what will you do next? A thought, isn't it? What will you do next? Do you believe in a God that is the way maker? Do you see, see, people told me, listen, and this is true. I am not going to church in North Hill. I'll never drive my car into North Hill. That was quoted to me. They didn't come to the church. And they had been with us for that year. It's okay. You don't have to drive into North Hill. I didn't know you were such a goody two-shoes. Because guess what? I'm not a goody two-shoes. I'm a sinner. And you know what? No matter where God plants me, that's where my feet need to be, even if it is in Nineveh. Even if it is in a place that I didn't know what was going to take place. But you know, God does. And he knew we had to take this avenue to get over to Southeast Avenue, right here, right where I'm standing. I don't know what, what, the, what the future has to hold, but I know this, that I need that one-on-one intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I can't get up here and speak to you and encourage you in your walk if my walk isn't where it's supposed to be. We all need to live a life dedicated, sold out, separated for Jesus Christ. See, that's where revival starts to take place. I like what Richard Owen Roberts 
Here's what he said in his book on revival. Robert's description of revival as the awakening of a sleeping giant. Wow. Wow. The awakening of a sleeping giant. Now, when I say this name, doesn't mean that I believe all of his viewpoints. I believe that he's a good teacher, and I don't know what he believes doctrinally, but I saw that John MacArthur this past week addressed California. And he addressed him and said, you can say we cannot meet corporately, but I will do what I need to because my constitutional rights say separation of church and state. You can say you need my sermon, I will give you my sermon. But I'm going to continue to proclaim the Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you need to arrest me, arrest me. That is what? Come on. That is picking up the cross of Christ and following him. Why is it that we have bowed the knee church? We are in a time and a place right now where it is crucial that people see Christ in us that so many churches are starting to fall asleep. Do you hear that? The church is starting to fall asleep. Why? Because we have heard and we have listened to the chaos that's going on. Amen, preacher. Thank you. I didn't know if I was preaching to myself at that moment, but I just figured I'd add that in there. I don't need to get up. See, this is how swift the Holy Spirit is. He is quiet. And his, his presence can usher over this sanctuary and move you to repentance, move you to do things you never thought you'd ever do before. That's the Holy Spirit. We don't need to preach messages like this. Well, why are you laughing at me? Because you're like, that's not even our preacher. Listen. I want the Word of God to sustain and to, to, to get into your heart. Did I wake up our little dude? Aww. And, uh, but I don't want just a movement to take place. I want to see your life. I want to see your testimony. I want to see what God is doing and how He's changing you. Listen, from a guy who worked with teenagers for over 17 years in youth ministry to a pastor who's now been preaching in this capacity for the last 15 years, I love watching revival take place and to move. Man, I would love watching teenagers change. I would see teenagers change, I mean, in ways, I mean, they would go from bad to good. I'm like, well, if, if it was that easy, why did you do all this bad back here if you can go to good that quick? Well, it's because this. When they decided in their heart to change for Jesus Christ, all this good started to take place. See, personal revival is this. If my people will just humble themselves, if they will pray. See, one of the greatest revivals that took place was over in Wales. And let me go ahead and, and tell you a little bit about what took place. And we can see glimpses of his glory. And here's what took place. Believers around the world were moved to pray for revival. November 1904, the Spirit of God began to stir in an extraordinary way in the hearts of believers. 
throughout the Principality of Wales. And what happened over the next several months was nothing short of supernatural. They would say, bend the church, save the world. Bend the church, save the world was the cry that rang through the valleys and towns in the churches. And in the hearts of men, women, and children, and young people throughout all of Wales, the fire of God burned in their heart of this 26-year-old coal miner who had little formal education. Everywhere he went, Evan Roberts delivered a message that was simple, straightforward, and timeless. And here's how it comes forward. It came forward as this, and here are the four points that we'll go over quickly this morning. Did God's people desire an outpouring of the Spirit? And if you as God's people, if you desire an outpouring of His Spirit, then there's four conditions that must be observed. One, confess all known sin. Confess all known sin. 1 John 1, nine says, If we shall confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10. We have to confess all known sin. Put away all doubtful things and forgive everyone. Matthew 6, 12. Ephesians 4, 32. Luke 23. Forgive one another. When was the last time that you just put away all doubtful things, and started to forgive one another. Take, if you would, please, to John 14. Number three, obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. John 14. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So it says here, And I will pray. The Father, and He shall give you another comforter. He'll give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees Him not, neither knows Him, but see, listen, church, I added that in there, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and shall be in you. Verse 17. For He dwells with you. He takes residence in you. And when the Holy Spirit starts to move, you start reacting. I hear people all the time say, oh, that was just coincidental. No, it's not coincidental. When the Holy Spirit starts to take residence in your life and you start living and walking in the Spirit then you start moving on the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you'll start to see things take place. People will say, oh, that's so weird. No, there's things out there, and I said in the very beginning, emotionalism, that that can be somewhat weird. But when you start crying out to a holy God that has taken residence and precedence in your life, then you realize just how real the Holy Spirit is. Have you ever, ever felt this, this movement like this? 
You're, you're in your pew or your seat, and you're sitting here, and the Holy Spirit says, you know that person back there on that, that right side? Go pray with them. And you're like, oh, which right person? I don't know what you're talking about. There's about 42 people back there. I ain't going back there and praying with them. They're going to think I'm crazy. Well, hold on a minute. And then, as you're talking with the Holy Spirit, then you begin to do this. You're wrestling now with the Spirit, right? You're going back and forth. And now, the first thought that the devil puts in your mind is this. They think you're weird. Don't do it. You know why? Because there's power, power, wonder, working power in the blood of our Savior. So you, you get up and you walk back and you start praying with that guy or with that woman or with that teenager or with that man or with that child, no matter who it is. When the Holy Spirit starts to move in you, just move. And you'll start to see things take place. Then you'll be driving on your way home, heading out to Ponte Grossa, which is all closed. Thank you, Jesus. And you're heading to Ponte Grossa. And all of us, you, you, you say to yourself, Self, did you really say that prayer? And the self says, yep, you did say that prayer. And so now you're starting to talk to yourself, and now everybody does think you're weird because your family's like, aw, look at him, He's, or look at her, she's lost their mind. They're special. Anyhow, be special. Be special for Jesus. See, we have to move on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. All he wants is surrender. Surrender in your marriage, surrender in your family, and God will start to do a work in you. And it says right here that He will do it. His promises are true. Because He says the Spirit of truth. See, the world can't receive what you have until they come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's not my words. That's of John. And number four, publicly, publicly confess Christ as your Savior publicly confess Christ as your Savior. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. I want to read those to you if you would allow me. Then we'll wind it down. Maybe. Oh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. And here's what it says. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men... Him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. And then over Matthew 16, 24. Turn over there real quick if you would please. Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus is talking. He foretells his passion here. And it says in verse 24. But I like this. Let's go to 23 first of all. Because this what I just quoted a few minutes ago. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that are of men. Verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow him. So we realize number four here is what? Publicly confess Christ as your Savior. If I went around this room and I said to each and every one of you, could you tell me when you got saved? Could you tell the congregation your salvation story? 
we could take probably till about 4 o'clock, and that's what would happen. And each one of you would say, this is when I had that defining moment in my life. So I got saved, I got baptized, God changed my life. That would be publicly confessing Christ. But isn't it interesting that, hold on a minute, if the Holy Spirit is so real, why is it that we continue to grab the can, put everything in there, then screw the cap on it because we don't want to say anything to anybody? He says, but if you'll pick up your cross and follow me, he said, I will accept you. But see, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father, which is in heaven. When was the last time that people saw Jesus in your life? We started off today about walking in the light, being a reflection of his light. Revival has to start with you, church. Where have you been this week? What have you... Ready? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little person, big person. I mean, big person. What you do. We've lost it, church. We have bowed our knee. We have let many liberal things in our life without crying out to the holy God, the one who says, I'm here for you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will walk through the depths of the, the, the trenches with you. I am here with you. Let me share this. Few people today haven't, have ever witnessed revival and a spiritual awakening on such a magnificent scale. But I want us to say this. Do it again, Lord. Say this with me. Do it again, Lord. Wouldn't it be great to feel the presence of God? Could you imagine? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are here on uh, 226 Southeast Avenue, and uh, I'm standing in front of New Hope Talmadge. This is where all of a sudden fire shot from heaven came down, consumed the church, and those people have the power of God on them. Could you imagine? The headline in the big Talmadge Express, all four pages, say this. New Hope Talmadge rededicated their church. There's revival taking place. Things are taking place. A man who couldn't walk is now walking. A man who was blind can now see. Revival is taking place and things are happening. Would we have a line next week out that door? So the question is, why, is, why isn't there a line out the door? You see, because we don't believe it. We don't believe what God is doing in His church. And we need to do it again. We need to see, to sense, to feel the presence of God. We believe the God of the Scripture. The God who displayed His glory in the great awakenings of the past is the same God we worship today. He has not changed, folks. He is able to turn the heart of a nation today just as He did 100 years ago when revival took place in Wales. All the social and political evils 
that threaten to be undoing our world today, all the false religions that vie for the allegiance of man, these are no match for our God. He is willing, even eager, to manifest himself and his saving grace to this lost, prodigal planet. But first, we must have a revived church. And a revived church consists of revived individuals. Would you do something? If you'll take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to say this and we're going to close. But here in the scriptures, and I, and I know I have my King James Version out because I love this Bible and because I have a million notes in it. And I know here we use the New Living Translation as well just because I love the narrative of some of the stories and this is a great story. And, but I thought, I thought it interesting that the Lord laid this on my heart this morning because I think it's so important that we as a church really start to embrace what the Holy Scriptures have to say and then we'll all get to go home and then we'll be able to spread the light of Christ, spread the love of Christ and let people see Jesus in us. In Luke chapter 15, it says this in verse 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans, all the tax collectors and sinners for to hear him. The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Isn't it amazing? Oh, help me, Jesus, because I, 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 here's, here's my thought. I've got to come back down here again. I, I just have to share this with you today. I promise we will get out of here. If somebody says to do something, I think we are so trained right now. We have to be very careful. This is not a political talk. But we have to be careful because even Jesus, we're here, Luke chapter 15, and it says that he was with tax collectors and sinners, and they all started to mock him and say, who's he speaking to? Here's what I'm going to say. We need to pray for our leadership. We need to pray for our local government, our state government, our national government, and then globally we need to pray for leaders around the world. Because our God is so faithful and so merciful, and I would love to see God change the hearts of all of them. There shouldn't be sides. Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. And so what they've done is now, look, look what we've done here. Now you're all separated. Y'all used to be real close to each other. Now i got to wear signs that don't hug me because you got cooties. I mean, really. We've allowed influences to change our life. But God, in my life, I want you to know that you're bigger than anything. That you're stronger and you're more powerful than anything that anybody's ever experienced. And I know our God is faithful. And I say that over and over again, just like the song Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper. You have to say it over. Why do we have to repeat? Why does that have to be so repetitive? Because I believe we have forgotten what kind of God we serve. And then Jesus, who resides inside of us, who lives in our heart, we've forgotten who he is. So Jesus starts to remind the people, and I'm, I'm going to read this as we close. But he says here in verse 3 in, in the parable of the lost sheep. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one 
One of them does not leave the 90 and 9 in the wilderness. We know the song will go after that which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he laid it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he came home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, this is verse 7, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Listen, we know there's a bunch of holy people. We realize there's a bunch of holy people. But when was the last time that you got on your knees and you cried out and said, God, forgive me of who I am, of my sins, of my past, of all the crap that I've created this past week. He said, don't worry about those 99 righteous one. Go after that one. He will repent. I promise you. See, because that's revival. One. Do you notice? One. Not 99, one. I say this every week. We don't have to have a packed church. We need to have just two people, because he says we're two or more, are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. But out of the two, the two brothers or the two sisters, or the brother and the sister get to pray with the one sinner that needs to be saved. Amen? We have to be here. We have to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So then in this story, we go from that to right into the parable of the lost coin. And here's what it says in verse 8. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Woo! Wow! Holy moly! Preach it! I'm out of control today. Because I realize that personal revival is one per. Lynn, Jeremy, your mom will never come back from West Virginia. She's like, that poor preacher. Do you guys go to that church? All right, amen. <laughs> Love you, sister. Anyhow, uh, So we realize that all the angels in heaven rejoice. Listen, I love when this church rejoices when somebody says, I am a recovering addict and I've recovered and I'm six months, one year, two years, one month, one day, one week, and the church explodes. Why? Hallelujah. We can start over. We can start over. Light the candle, sweep around the house, sweep around your life, and find that one person you can change, you can mentor for Jesus Christ. Right? Wow. What a great story. And then here's the parable of the lost son. We all know it. We know the story of the prodigal, and you can just go ahead and start playing that soft music so everybody knows that I promise I am winding this down. I could preach a whole message on the prodigal. And maybe I should. Oh, just kidding. Here's what I love this story says. The brothers got jealous, and I won't read it for sake of time, but the brothers got jealous. The one brother's like, why would you give all that to that brother? We know the story. We know the dynamic of this story. 
But I love the conclusion of this story. So the one brother who's just in sin, he ran away. And he had to get to the depths of dirty. It says there in Luke 15 that he was hanging out with the swine. That he was in pig manure. i got to tell you, where our camper is located down in Louisville area, I thought of this thought this past week. I got there, and as I was there, and uh, Ron Sr. and Lucinda have a camper up from us, and he went out there. He's been in the hospital, and the Lord is healing him. Hallelujah. Amen. And while we were out there, there was an aroma that just was just filtering through the year. And you know what the preacher said? I mean, you know what Ron said? Is that you, preacher? like, really? No, you'll know if it's me. You won't be standing. Just kidding. Um, So anyhow, but they had spread cow manure all over the place out there. There's cornfields and stuff everywhere. So when we left there, it was so repulsive that it was making me sick. And I thought of the story of the prodigal. And in this story and in the narrative, there was the prodigal. He had to get to the depths of himself. And what is the depths of himself? He had to get to the end of himself before he ever experienced the beginning of God. And in that text, it said that the father embraced his son. See, when he was with the swine and eating with the pigs and smelling the manure, he knew that he was in a bad, bad place. Is that where you're at? Have you backslidden? Have you fallen away from the fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you just said, you know what? Because of all this, I'm over it. I'm just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. And so you're, you're moving away from the fellowship. See, when you're walking with Christ and the holiness of Christ, things are revealed in your life. But it's only when you start to repent and confess of them. And in that narrative, in Luke chapter 15, Here's exactly what happened. It says that the prodigal son, the wayward son, came back to the waymaker, to the promise keeper, the light in the darkness, to the healer, he, to God. And it said when he arrived that he was given a ring, that he was given a robe, that he was given sandals, that all these things were given to him as a reward to say, Son, I'm glad you're back. Son, I'm glad you're back. Welcome home, son. And it said he opened up his arms. And when he opened up his arms, it said that he held him close to his chest, close to right where his heart was at. And he embraced him right there, right then, and said, one singular, not plural, you are forgiven. I love you this much that I would lay down my life To give you life. I love you this much, church. That I would take the stripes upon my back. And the crown of thorns upon my head. I love you, church, this much. That I would bleed for you. That I would be spit upon. That a spear would be just thrust through my side. And I love you this much. That I want to see you repent. To humble yourself. Turn from your wicked ways. Seek my face. Then I know and I promise you, I will hear your cry. I will hear 
your plea from heaven. And I will save you because I love you. That's the God we serve. It says in Psalm 69, 32, You who seek God, let your hearts be revived. You who seek God, let your hearts be revived. You see, if you will seek Him with your whole heart, you can be assured that He will restore, renew, and revive you. That revival will soon affect others, Because God does not lavish His goodness on us so we can simply enjoy it for ourselves. So what do we have to do as we stand? Church, we have been saved to proclaim the excellency of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. As the praise team comes... In closing, one person, one family, one small group, one small church, no matter how insignificant that is committed to seeking the Lord, see, you can become part of the awakened giant that God will use to spread His glory and fame His name throughout all the world. So, I ask you to seek Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And if you are here today and you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and maybe for some of you that do, maybe God's been speaking to you this morning, I want you to move on that prompting. Don't worry about what the other 42 are doing behind you. You move on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The practice social distancing. Pray. If you need to sit in your seat, sit in your seat. If you want to come and kneel at an altar, you can do that as well. But I want you to come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. If you've been flirting with the devil, if you've been flirting with sin, stop it, church. Stop it. Revival starts with you. And if revival starts with you, you just have to change your ways. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you that today we can come before you, Lord, and we can cry out to you, Lord. We can give our life, our hearts, our souls to you. God, we've been running from you. Lord, we run back to you. So lift us up, Father God. Pour your spirit into us. Help us to walk in holiness. Oh God, we love you. We thank you that your presence is here today. Thank you, Father, for leaving the 99 for just one. I know you said that you loved the world. God, thank you for loving me, just one person. Saving me. Changing me. Lord, thank you for this church and the people that are here. May we walk away refreshed and renewed, knowing that we can live our life in you. And all God's people said, Amen.